Welcome to the Sleep by Shay podcast. I'm Shay Morrison, sleep expert and co-founder of The Goodnight Co. Join me each week for hints and tips on all things sleep and follow me on Instagram at Shay Morrison. Hello and welcome back to the Sleep by Shay podcast. Today I am joined by Barbara Thompson, who is a professional counsellor and she has this beautiful business setup called the self-care studio. Barbara is dedicated to helping teenage girls and women throughout their lives. Barbara brings a wealth of knowledge both professionally and personally to be able to navigate this space and today we thought it might be a great topic to talk about specifically talk about teenage girls and sleep. Barbara welcome to the show and one of the questions that I love to ask is how did you sleep last night? Oh, well, thank you for having me. And that's a really good question to start off with. How did I sleep last night? Let me have a think about that. Um, we have to think about that, don't we? Yes. It was, it was actually really sound, beautiful sleep. I didn't get to bed early enough as I wanted to, Yeah. Uh, but the sleep I had was very restful. So um, you've got, you got me on a good day today. Oh, that's good. That's what we want to hear. And not always do we have guests that have good sleep because invariably we don't always get good sleep it's a good one to reflect on and just have a check in Barbara maybe if you can share a little bit about what you do and your background before we get started sure so anyone listening to this you may hear it you may not so I'm actually from New Zealand and I've been living in Australia for it'll be seven years in September I'm a professional counsellor and I'm based in the Shell Harbour region of the Illawarra New South Wales and I run a private counselling practice called Self-Care Studio, and that's dedicated to only women and teenage girls because I work alongside them to help them build and maintain healthy relationships with themselves and with people around them and to strengthen their mind-body connection. I'm really big on that. And so they can live the life that they actually want to live rather than being in their 50s or 60s going, oh, now I want to start doing what I want in life. I'd love young women, especially, to be given this permission and to work out what they would like to do earlier on. It's so warranted and so needed right now. There's so much has changed. It's been quite a while since I was a teenager, but I do have a 10-year-old girl. You know, looking at the demands of what happens today in society and what we expect, really, you know, is applying so much pressure to these beautiful, delicate little souls. It's quite scary to really look at and observe as a parent and as somebody who works in this industry and talks to lots of parents, teachers, coaches when it comes to sleep specifically. But I guess for you, if you're you're talking intimately in a one-on-one situation with these girls, what do you see that are the major contributors around the pressure and why then they're not getting great sleep? So if you think about it, anyone listening to this, uh, if uh, at some point you have been a teenage girl in your life, like for me, it was a long time ago, but I still remember like it was yesterday. You you imagine all those things that the conversations we had with our friends, to be liked, to be loved, to be accepted, that's all still there. But what we've got on top of that, I always like to explain it to my clients, like it's a, a cake with many layers on it. And then they've got social media now. So before you would know what your friends would do at school, 
and you'd have to ring them on a telephone and talk to them. But you'd, your brain wouldn't be bombarded with images of what you think is right or wrong because that would only happen when we saw the person face to face. But yeah. now these teenagers have all the foundation that we had to struggle with as uh, teenage girls with our body image and fitting in and wanting to people please. On top of that, they are now looking at things that their brain isn't fully developed for. Uh, yeah. They're looking at things that might um, go against what their values and beliefs are in the household. And so mm -hmm. that's like putting all this pressure into their brain of, oh, well, what my parents believe this, but all the popular girls do this. So maybe yeah. they're really conflicted. So you can see a lot of these young women I see are really deep thinkers Mm. And over, we all overthink, it's kind of a human trait, but they really overthink uh, really high anxiety levels, really high stress levels. And all it boils down to really is the same thing that we all, um, I've made a list of this because I say it all the time. When you say things all the time, you know, you can forget it too. So these girls are like all of us, the need to be loved and liked, the need to be accepted, the need to be seen as enough and the need to be seen as worthy. And that's kind of the core of these young women that I see as young as 10 years old yeah. in my studio. They all are trying to feel all of those things at the same time. And that's where the stress and the pressure comes from because now in this generation, these young girls are very open to therapy. They are my, you know, almost my most favorite clients too is the fact that they're proud to turn up, talk from, about from it, share. From my clients that are 10 to 25, I would say, that's mm. the bracket that um, they walk into my studio, they were excited to see me, even if it's their first time. Sure, they're nervous. They come with a willingness. I can have discussions with them as how does your body feel or how do you think about this? Um, once I've created a safe environment, environment and it's comfortable enough for them they're really open to having discussions with me and are really actually in tune almost too in tune with how <laughs> they feel and how their mind is connected to their body it's almost like this generation just has that as a gift mm. and so they come along to these sessions and they are quite openly with their friends where women 25 plus some come to therapy and it's a very private thing and they don't want anyone to know that's mm. okay some really need it and they know they need it, but the waves of wanting to talk to someone come and go. So if yeah. anyone's listening to this, you may resonate that you may have had something happen quite abruptly in your life and you're like, oh, this is so big, I can't cope on my own. Yeah. Or they keep repeating patterns and behaviors over and over again. And they're like, oh, I'm over this. I still keep, I would like to speak to someone else. Yeah. But these feelings come and go. So one day you're like, yeah, I'm going to reach out. And the next day, you're like, no, I've got this. So that can be really conflicting where these young people now are just like, I feel really uncomfortable. I want to talk to someone about it. So they kind of just skip all those middle steps and reach out. They do the work. I have 15, 16 year olds that their self-belief, their inner critic, how they view themselves and their body image and their self-love they do the work and that they, I can see the results with even just with the first few sessions because there's certain things that were never taught. And when I share those things with them, they're like, oh my gosh, wow. And they take it away with them. They're very open mm. to it. There's a lot going on with these poor little girls. 
it has shifted a lot and obviously social media is playing a big role in this. Mm. But is there anything else that's forcing this change that is creating such an enormous pressure? Because then we want, we, we're going to talk about sleep and how this actually then ties into the topic of sleep. But if we're talking about the societal norms that are going on that are applying the pressure here to make them maybe not feel worthy or whatever that feeling is, what do you see are the common major themes that are happening outside of social media? Yeah, okay, yeah. The constant discussions of girls having women conversations that they don't need to worry about and they shouldn't be included in. How is that happening? Parents wanting their children to be friends with them. Yep. That's a big one. Yeah. And also parents working really hard that the time that they spend with their children, they feel guilt. They override and, you know, as a parent, you're a role model. And yeah. that's the best thing that you can be to a child. But part of the pressure for these young women is this perfectionism uh, piece. Like I said, they have these conversations with people that they don't need to. Like they great that they're aware of nutrition. But to the point of yeah. that they know anything to do with calories and that they have green juices and that these young girls are like, I've got yeah. my steps in today. Yeah. This pressure of this perfect morning routine, nighttime, yeah. all of these yeah. are great things. Like don't get yeah. me wrong. But when their brain hasn't fully developed to the 21 to 25 years old, they're actually not capable of they're overloading their system. And also on top of this, their nervous system is so like, it's not regulated enough because of all the stress and the pressure. So they're running, they're highly anxious, highly stressed. And even thinking about things of this perfectionism that they look outwards and they see all these other girls that their life is perfect. They've got the perfect skin. They've got the perfect long hair and they take this supplement. Or, they- or the perfect flat stomach. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a pretty big one. Yeah, exactly. A lot of the time the aesthetics, but again, it's the popularity thing as well. How to communicate and talk to people, especially with coming off the pandemic, kids that have had devices, they have a lot of friends on the device, but when it comes to off the devices and talking to people, it's really anxious driven because they don't know how to have a your, your teenager may seem really popular and have a lot of followers and always on the phone or seem to be surrounded by people, but they can be one of the most, that's the scary thing too, is they can be really lonely. Hmm. And only just recently this week heard about almond mums. No, I haven't heard of that. So apparently there's this terminology called almond mum. When I questioned the person, they said, oh yeah, almond mums are the mums that are always counting calories and suggesting that their children eat almonds rather than eat anything else. There's actually a term for that now. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, we've all we've all got, especially as women too, body image, no matter how old you are, you know, that's a really big topic on its own. But these young girls have these discussions in a playground. Like most of the time in generations before, body image discussions, dieting, what to put into your body and what's good and bad and nutritional wise was never really had until high school, if that. Now 10-year-olds are in playgrounds talking about calories, weighing themselves. Yeah. Uh, Yes, body image and different bodies are out there, but I think as a parent, one of the biggest things you can start having conversations with your child is get them to look at their hands and say to them, hey, look, you know how we've got a fingerprint and you've got your own special fingerprint? That is yours. No one else has the same fingerprint as you. Mm -hmm. Guess what? 
that also relays to your brain. It also relays to what you eat and what you do. Even a twin or someone, your sister or eating the same things as you, doing the same exercises as you, and you will look completely different. You will feel completely different because your bio-individuality, your fingerprint is so different. And once your daughter or a teenage girl in your life understands that concept really early on and actually gets in tune with how their body feels and how their mind is, and that leads on to sleep too, but how their mind and body is. If you're around someone you don't like, there's a reason for that. Trust your intuition. Like we're, we're born with that and it's, and we've, especially as children, it's very open. And then all of a sudden people yeah. tell us to stop being silly or you're being stupid or you don't know you're only a child, but I want you to honor that. So if there's a teenage girl, if you have one or you're, list, or you're a teenage girl listening to this, you're right every time. And that's a really big driver to the foods we eat and the lifestyle that we, you know, if you eat something that gives you a sore tummy or just because everyone at school is eating spinach because they say it's healthy, but when you drink it, you like gag or you don't like it or it feels funny. All that means is that is just not for your body. And also it means it's not for your body right now. A lot of these mm. girls try and lock in these really vigorous routines and have these, I have to do this and I have to do this and driving to that perfectionism where all of us females, no matter, no matter what stage of life we're on, Within seven to 10 years, our bodies actually physically change. So we may be able to eat dairy or we may be able to eat almonds, say, for example. And then all of a sudden we wake up one day and we get a rash or we don't feel, oh, why is that happening? Our bio-individuality has changed. That is a beautiful message that every 10 to 25-year-old, as you said, needs to hear one of the challenges that we have is that we are living in such a changing, fast-paced environment um, trying to survive. It's hard to slow down because what you're talking about requires some reflection. As you said, it requires you to go internally and really consider what all of this means for you. Teenagers have that ability to do that. But if it's not fostered, encouraged and developed then it can slip away very quickly. Yeah. We're not taught any of this stuff. We're no. not taught what a good food and bad food is. We're not taught about our bodies hating our body. It's a learned behaviour and it comes from uh, households and it comes from anyone that uh, a child interacts with. Words are so powerful. Yeah. So we can all, I know I can think of a time when I was like 12 or 15 and a boy in the playground yelled something to me or a teacher said something to me. And, you know, and I'm on my early 40s. I can still remember that. So sometimes we just get so busy with life that, you know, parents know that words can affect, you know, words are so important. But sometimes just having a reminder that certain words just, watching the language of how we talk about food at meal times and actually educating ourselves. If you don't know too much about nutrition or food and stuff, like watch a couple of YouTube videos or it doesn't have to cost anything. Just Google it and jump on. And there's so many different avenues that you can, you know, there's some beautiful, amazing doctors that are prepared to share so much information that are verified and trusted, mm. you know, on Instagram, even providing huge amounts of information for free. Yeah, it's just educating ourselves and not having those hard rules because if you have those 
you got to eat healthy, you got to eat clean, you got to eat uh, no, you know, good foods, bad foods. And as a parent, you know, reading the ingredients on the back, I've got to give my, I can't give my child preservatives and all that kind of stuff. Great. You're such a beautiful parent and you care. You really want to help, but also letting the child understand food in general and knowing that if there's a balance, there's no food that that's off limits. It makes it easier. If, if families understand that in a meal, if you kind of have a, um, and growing up, I never knew this, especially as teenage girls start getting their periods and start having those hormonal changes, their bodies need to be in balance. Sleep is a factor of that. But a beautiful part of helping a young woman as her body changes to bring her body back into balance is calming her body. And one of the ways of calming our bodies, and as girls or as women, it's what we've been taught in diet culture to not have like root vegetables, but like potatoes and sweet potato and pumpkin and all that kind of stuff, because it's rooted vegetables that help us ground ourselves. So if they have a dinner that is just protein and like we're talking salmon and chicken and beef or tofu or something like that with a salad, even as grown women, from a 10 year old to however, we need some form of carbohydrate. And if you don't know what a carbohydrate is, it can be anything to do with like any type of rice, like I said, potato, sweet potato, pumpkin, quinoa, anything like that. Your body goes, oh, I'm getting all these different food groups. I'm safe. I can relax. And as soon as you can do that, your body calms down and it, and it can be in a relaxed state. You know, if you just eat protein and vegetables at night, your body's like, oh, I have to be on alert because I haven't, I don't feel complete. I don't feel I'm not satisfied. Correct. Yeah. You know, I spend my life educating people around the fact that we have so many diets that people are on these days and intermittent fasting is so big. So for the people that are completely skipping dinner, that can be challenging and that it could potentially. So, for you know, we don't want to be eating really heavy meals, but if we are not satisfying our body and grounding it, as you say, without a little bit of carbohydrate, healthy carbohydrate, the chances are you're going to have some really big sleep challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Even some oats. Sometimes, you know, some of my young girls don't eat a lot because it's very that deprived culture of I need to be skinny, so I'm not going to eat. It's getting better now. They're starting to like back in the day, I was the only girl ever in the gym. And now all these young girls are going, which is great, but they need to eat. If they're training that hard, you need to fuel your body. Your body needs protein. So some of these girls have oats and stuff just before bed and that just a little bit with some yoga or something. And that just calms their body down. One of the biggest things I explain to my girls is our brains and our bodies pretty much exactly the same as in caveman days. And they freak out about this. Yeah. And I say to them, your body's designed to get up with the sun go to bed like when you if you've got an animal you notice at night time before just as the sun goes down it kind of goes to sleep we should be going to sleep too like we should be yeah. following the sun and we're designed to wake up walk around go down this long path to remember where the poisonous berries are and where the good berries are come back look after the kids and that's how our body is designed to live are we doing that today and they always laugh at me they're like oh my god no that is why we have trouble, why we can't sleep. This is why we have all these struggles in all these other areas because we're not honoring ourselves, first of all, mm. our fingerprint, but we don't understand how our brain and our body works, but how it works together. We dismiss it all the time, people-pleasing and wanting everyone to like us and going against everything because our, you know, people say that we should have to do the things. 
So that's a really big thing is once these young girls realize that you get a brain and you get a body and it's designed to live in a different environment, what we need to do for our lives is really help our body nurture it in today's environment. It's lost. It has no yeah. idea. It thinks that we're on, we're on alert all the time. It thinks that there's a tiger just around the corner. And uh, that's not the case now. I love teaching these girls how to work with their body and give them the tools that way and empower them. Absolutely. And I think, you know, often I like to refer to these teenage years with the biological shift. So it's like this perfect storm where you've got the biology, the technology and the homework all kind of melded into this one pot. And it's this perfect storm because all of these elements are creating this inability to sleep well. And it's the vicious cycle of needing to sleep well to perform, to help us to feel happy. So affecting our mood, our memory, our cognition, you know, how we look and feel and move. So it's a pretty important piece in the puzzle being the third pillar of health. Like these young women that are so depriving themselves of food or not eating processed stuff or sugar, when they don't sleep during those key times at night, they're on their devices or just not sleeping, automatically, no matter what they do to stop those cravings, they will have cravings the next day and they will find that they will reach for something to help them feel awake. Because if they don't have enough sleep, their body is worried, oh my gosh, you're a bit tired, I want to protect you. I want to look after you. There could be a tiger out there today and you haven't had much sleep. So what I want to do is give you some sugar or processed energy because it goes into your bloodstream straight away and you get that spike, you get that feeling. So I'm going to gift that to you. I'm actually trying to help you go into the pantry, go into the cupboard, go to the shops on the way to school, the home, you know, or you don't need to tell anyone, go to McDonald's, get the thing that you're going to eat, that you're going to have the instant gratification that's going to give you that spike because I'm going to protect you. So when the tiger comes, guess what? You're going to be able to run away from it. Yeah. And that's what, when they understand that um, they experiment and they start journaling and they start writing down in their phones or somewhere safe that they write down, um, I had, I went to bed at this time. I woke up at this time. I had this much sleep. I had cravings of X, Y, Z today. And they do it for a couple of weeks and they go, oh my God, Barbara, I fell asleep at 10 o'clock and I got up at, at six and I craved like chocolate. But the next day I went to bed at 8.30, I had no cravings. And I'm like, oh, isn't that interesting? And I feel like this is the, these are the things that we are just missing. And as you said, we're not learning these key important things to do with our bodies when we are in these really critical teenage years. And so then it's really hard when we become an adult. We haven't been taught any of this information to understand what is happening. Mm. We're, we're made to, I can't speak on behalf of every teenage girl out there or every woman out there, but the majority of my own journey and from why I became a counsellor and why I do what I do is I know what it feels like to absolutely hate yourself hate your body, no matter whether you're really lean or we all our weight fluctuates throughout our life. Um, but what any stage you're at, you know, I know what it feels like to be around a group of girls and feel like, like the odd one out, or you look different, or you've got a different body. You have this internal critic that you just are so, you don't not satisfied, but I will be satisfied when I look this or when I do yeah. this. And so, you know, I want to give that to anyone listening to that. I would say like 90% of women actually feel 
no matter what age, not happy in their bodies, but it's something that we carry with us where if we try and be our, a friend to ourselves, and we actually listen to what we need and want and come as rather than coming from a place of restriction and not being good enough, how would you treat yourself if you were good enough? And actually flipping that script of I'm not good enough really at its key, if you were good enough, how would you treat yourself differently? And what do people say often when you ask that question? Because it's a pretty thought-provoking question to sit in and think about then what does it look like? Do people feel like then it actually would all be fine? Mm. The surprise that I know that they don't feel good enough. Like it's something yeah. they look, they, they give me a look and go, how do you know? Can you read my mind? Like how do you know what I think? It's like, no, 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 I've been where you've been. But also a human condition is, again, it comes, like this blew my mind. When I learned this stuff, I was I was actually a bit pissed off with the world because I thought, why aren't we told this stuff? Mm -hmm. When you don't feel like you're good enough or you're pretty enough or you're popular enough or whatever your enough is, it comes down to back into the, like the tribal days. And again, we've got the same body, the same brain, and we're walking around in our tribe. And the thing what would happen is if me and my friend um, Sally, we're walking around and if Sally and I, I'm sometimes a bit of a rebel, hey, Sally, this group's boring, let's go. So one of three things would have happened back then, and this is what our brain and body is designed to do. The tribal leader might have seen us and actually instantly spared us or killed us because the tribal leader didn't want us to draw attention to the tribe. So if I walk away from people, my body thinks it's actually death is imminent, like it's going to happen. Or if me and Sally get away from our tribal leader, they don't, he doesn't see us or she doesn't see us, we're on this track for days and days. And because we don't have our tribe with us, we won't survive. And also we don't have shelter and we probably will get eaten. And the third thing is, um, I think it's just two actually. So we, we have this really deep desire that we don't feel like we're enough. And that's why we need people around us and to feel validated and accepted because our brain thinks we're only going to be safe if that happens, if, if people don't like us or we don't fit in, we don't look like everyone else, our body is on stress alert. It, actually, our body feels like we're going to die. I know it doesn't sound nice me saying this, but it's, I'm just keeping it really simple. It's the fight flight mode. And that's what happens. And so when I say to clients, uh, when we start talking about how we feel about ourselves and how we don't feel like we're good enough and we people please and we want people to like us, they go, how do you know? How do you know I feel like this? Everyone does at their core value. Like it's a human condition. They're like, oh my gosh. I'm like, so if you felt like you were good enough, what would you do? And they're like, oh, I'd treat myself really well. I'd say nice things to myself. Like they don't think about. And I wonder, if, I wonder though, if they got there, they would. Like I, I feel like that it's easier to live in the critic mm -hmm. than in the in the place of joy and love and acceptance and yeah. because I feel societally and over the years that's what's been ingrained as well so that that we live in that critical feeling you know why it's because why? as human beings we avoid pain to seek pleasure so for us to think that we're we're good enough we probably will do things that at the beginning will feel uncomfortable oh I'd rather just I'm just going to avoid that pain because I'm too scared of what will Avoidance. Come up. Yeah. I'm too scared of what will come up. I don't know yeah. if I'll be able to handle it. So I know I'm on a self-destructive path. I know I'm not good enough. I'm going to do all these things in my life to prove to myself I'm not good enough. And I'm comfortable there. 
Yeah. That's why midlife crisis happens. That's why people, yeah. the kids leave home and people are so lost or something devastating happens in life and you go, yeah. how we survive is we've learned tools from our parents for the first seven to 10 years. We watch what they say, what they do, how they act. That's our blueprint. We take it with us and we hash that out over every area for the rest of our lives. All of us get to a moment, whether it's 15, whether it's 20, whether it's 65, we will get to a moment, all of us at some point where we go, I don't like my job. Who am I? This isn't working. I'm sick of these toxic people around me. I can't sleep anymore. <laughs> I have stomach yeah. issues. I have headaches. Like something will keep happening and you'll go, this isn't working for me anymore. So even though you sabotage and you feel like you're not good enough, at some point, your body is a beautiful biofeedback. Our bodies are always telling us something, but we just don't listen to it. So what do you suggest to your clients to tune in then to their bodies? Mm. And then I'd love to know some of the self-care methods that you recommend. That's a very slow patient process because that can mm. bring up a lot of resistance for a lot of people. They can be like, whoa, what does that mean? I don't want to dig into my past. I don't want to, mm. like it really depends again on the individual, on their fingerprint, where they're at. Um, but one of the things that I love giving to anyone is way of tuning in is something called brain dumping, which can be done on your phone or on a piece of paper that no one else sees. And you actually just write down what's in your head. So you write down thoughts, feelings, anything, to-do lists. You actually just get whatever is in your head out on paper. You can chuck it away and never read it again. Or like me, I've referred back like five years ago, I find notes and little journal entries and I laugh and go, wow, I thought that of myself then. Oh, that's, it's actually a really great exercise because it just gets it out onto paper. And there's a really strong um, belief that when you have an old, like a pen, in a paper, guys, like old-fashioned, you actually write it down. Mm -hmm. I find better results with my clients when they write it down on paper with like a pen or pencil rather than putting it into their phone. Yeah. I find it more of a release. And that's one way of tuning in. There are other ways of tuning in as in we all have an inner critic. We all have a voice in our head that plays 24-7. I get some of my clients to name it. I get some of my clients to... Again, just start listening to it. It's it's okay. It's your fr it is actually our friend. And listen to it and be like, what are you saying? Where does this come from? Are you a female? Are you a male? Are you loud? Are you quiet? And you can just do it for like a minute or two a day. Yeah. And what it is doing is bringing that inner critic to the front to make it aware of all of those thoughts are just thoughts. They're actually not real. But I tell you what. They feel really real. <laughs> yeah. Also with the brain dump exercise, that's also a really good one that I also recommend for people when they are having trouble sleeping. It's just getting all of those thoughts and niggles and worries out of your brain so that you can relax. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that don't prepare themselves ready for bed. So you can't expect yourself just to jump into bed and fall asleep. Like when mm. we're younger, sure, yeah. But hitting the teenage years and older, they're just, some people, sure, but most of us, it doesn't happen. So what we need to do is, you know, have different, um, and this is one of the things I actually wrote down because it was important I wanted to share today, is I always say with parents, with their teenagers, because they're so overwhelmed and stressed and worried and anxious, 
one of the things they can do with their kids is helping them with a daily routine, which is the morning and nighttime routine to help them ground, give them stability and predictability. Because when they have a normal routine in the morning and a normal routine at night, it sends positive feelings to their, and people I hope they won't roll their eyes, but this is true. It sends <laughs> positive feelings to their deep tissues in their body that they are safe and everything's mm-hmm. okay and their body mm-hmm. expects it all the time. So that's something else that I always say to my parents, do that. But I'm going to contradict myself here because I say that, but I also say take the pressure off you and your child. You are doing your best. There's actually mm-hmm. no right or wrong way. And you need to be flexible. And that actually does their head in. Because they're like, what? You're telling me to do all this stuff, but then you're telling me to be flexible? How does that work? It makes perfect sense, really. We need structure and routine. That's life. For anybody out there, and I'm really happy to have any debate with anybody about routine and structure, is that in life, to really survive in this modern world, is it the way that we're meant to? Maybe not. But in this modern world, we need routine and structure. And that's so that we can function, hold a job, go to school. That's what happens in those environments. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to work in and around that. Now, when it comes to self-care and sleep, having the foundation and knowing that you've got something to go back, to fall back on when you want to be flexible is the key. So that you can be fluid and flexible to feel like you're not rooted in this mundane boring process Mm. to feel the freedom but understanding what the routine is I feel like that's the the thing that gives you a really clear foundation to know that you've got something that you can fall back on yeah and and making the routine a household thing so being Mm. a role model and for your children so reading a book putting some music on in the house putting your devices away like that honestly and maybe doing some yoga nidra um yeah with the family just before bed or you know and I know our lifestyle some people work when their kids go to bed like it that's what I mean it needs to fit in with your lifestyle there's no right or wrong getting the kids involved and saying what would you like to do now they'll Mm. have heaps of ideas and and getting them to create their own plan and getting them to stick to it because they want boundaries they want a solid routine they'll fight you on it yeah they need it and they want it yeah Beautiful. What are some of the other beautiful self-care practices that you also recommend? Mm. So obviously we've talked about the brain dumping side of things. Also for young women when they start getting their periods is to actually teach them and help them to start tracking it. So tracking means like when does it start, when does it finish, how long is it, and educating these young girls to know that any pain of any sort is not normal. When they learn to track that, they can also look at how their sleep is around that and Mm. also understand how they feel like some certain foods and how their hunger's around that and also as a household you know how we all talk to each other how our moods are is based around that Mm. and I also depending on how open the teenage girl and the parents are is I always get them to say write down in your diaries or your phone when there's a full moon because I find that even just that in itself if you're feeling a bit off balance or a bit more snappy or just so overwhelmed, oh, full moon tomorrow. Oh, it's a full moon. You don't even need to know why or how. It's just those two things really help my girls. Things like taking the pressure off not to be perfect. There's so many self-care tools as in essential oils are beautiful. 
and a great a lot of my young girls go to sleep holding a crystal if that's their thing um a lot of them will listen to some music or some meditation music or like burn some like some of them are into burning sage and they're really holistically spiritually open to that stuff but if they're not it could just be making sure that their nighttime meal has some form of carbohydrate another big thing too and I want to plug this kids helpline because I think it's really important a self-care tool which I'm really big on is having someone to talk to this doesn't have to be a parent doesn't have to be a teacher doesn't have to be a friend it could be a counselor like me they need to feel comfortable with um, who they're talking to and it's private and it's confidential and one Mm. kids helpline is for kids that are five to 25 years old and it runs 24 7 and it's a number that I always get my um, my children See, I see them as my children. <laughs> my um, clients and the parents both, if, if the teenager has a phone, one of the first things we do in a session is I get them to plug that number, which is 1-800-551-800 in Australia, obviously. Um, put that into their phone and they name it what they want to name it as. And they mm. know at 2 o'clock in the morning or they know at midnight when everyone's mm. asleep, if they want someone safe to talk to, it's safe, mm. it's free. The professional counsellors, no thing is too small or too big. And especially yeah. when we talk about friends at school. Oh, yeah. Like I know that was always hard when I was a kid. I don't know about you, but I know that yeah. we have tricky groups of three girls. One plays off the other, or you have a big group and it's, people are whispering behind each other's backs and they're talking about you and they don't invite you to the party. That is yeah. your life when you're that age. Like yeah. that is your world. And by knowing that you've got this, people like me or people like this number that you can call any time and talk to someone, I reckon that is the number one thing is to know that you're not alone. Yeah. We are so fortunate to have that service available in Australia that is free, as you said, 24-7 for anyone to call. Mm. Like it is an amazing service. Yeah, and a couple of my girls have actually rung it. I've had a 12-year-old that I know of, a 12-year-old client and a 22-year-old client for different reasons. When they saw me next, they said, oh, you know, that number I called it and so on. So it was actually really good because <laughs> sometimes people think yeah. these numbers are, I, I'm not going to yeah. call it, it's embarrassing or I'm not that bad or whatever story you've got, give it a go. There's tools on there for parents as well and teachers and stuff. So it's not just dedicated to kids. It's a charity and organization that's just to help kids in general from 5 to 25. Well, Barbara, thank you so much. So many amazing gems that you have shared and could safely say that this topic is broad and deep and one that you are obviously very committed to and you are helping to shape the next generation with such care and consideration. Being able to listen, I think it is so beautiful. You know what? When you're saying that, that's exactly how I was going to wrap this podcast up. I was going to say, these girls, it's kind of a beautiful feeling, but in my training, not every session is a good session, right? When you're in counseling. No. But the majority of girls, and I try and I even say to them, you're not supposed to feel this way. And I think it's just me as a person that I'm so dedicated to this because I want every girl, every woman that I meet to feel loved and heard and seen and accepted. But they all smile. Even their parents are like, are you all right? You've just had a counseling session and the number of young girls, we're talking about some big, heavy stuff. And then I'll go see you next week and they go, bye, Barbara. And I'm like, oh man, that's not normal. But it happens all the time with me. I have a lot of 10 to 15 year olds that do Zoom calls with me. 
and we have a chat and they are so excited and happy to see me and we talk about some big stuff and it's just so different to when I work with my adult clients. (laughs) They actually really enjoy it. We have big conversations in the beginning about privacy and confidentiality and there's three or four things within any counsellor that you need to do mandatory reporting. But when you say that to a child, they get it, they understand it, actually listen to them and see what they need because they'll tell you. You are doing an amazing job. But if people are looking to book a session with you, you can obviously book in person in the Illawarra region. In person in the Illawarra or online for anyone that lives in Australia or New Zealand. It's self underscore care underscore studio or my website selfcarebybarbarathompson.com.au. Thank you so much for joining us today, Barbara. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Sleep by Shea podcast. If you're interested in learning more about our guests or any of the topics we've spoken about today, head on over to the show notes for all the details and sleep advice you need. If you like what you're hearing or are sleeping better, we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and listen along with the Sleep by Shea podcast to wake up looking and feeling your very best every day.